0: Chapter 1. The Great Thermonuclear Sea I remembered the line from the Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. J. Robert Oppenheimer, July 16th, 1945, on the detonation of the first A-bomb in New Mexico. The unleashed power of the atom has changed everything save our modes of thinking and thus we drift towards unparalleled catastrophe. Albert Einstein, May the 24th, 1946, a telegram sent to prominent Americans. The first hint that the Pacific would be tragically transformed into the world's first and only atomic ocean came at lunchtime on January the 4th, 1950, when President Harry S. Truman uttered a single cryptic sentence during his State of the Union address to this effect. Man has opened the secrets of nature and mastered new powers. He never mentioned the Pacific by name, nor did he mention it two weeks later, on January the 19th, when he finally made the fateful decision to which his congressional speech had alluded, nor did he two weeks further on, when he issued a formal directive and announced publicly what he had decided. He didn't have to. So far as the United States was concerned, the 64 million square mile expanse of the Pacific Ocean was the only place big enough and empty enough and American enough to allow the testing of the thermonuclear weapons that the President had now finally committed his country to create. The ocean already had had a taste of what was to come. Since 1946, the US government had been secretly testing simple atomic fission bombs in the blue lagoons of its tropics. But these were quite modest weapons, deadly and terrible to be sure, but nothing compared with what was to come next. The decision Truman made on that third Thursday of January, as well as his formal order to the Atomic Energy Commission that followed, was to start a programme of work on a very different kind of device and of a type both of unimaginable deadliness and theoretically limitless destructive power. It was a bomb that would forever change the nature of warfare and would forever change the world and its potential power was such that it could now be tried out, displayed and demonstrated only in the empty middle of the Pacific. Until the mid-1940s, the ocean had been in the popular imagination, just as Ferdinand Magellan described it 400 years earlier. It had seemed a truly Pacific sea, a place of maritime languor and quiet, of warm ultramarine waters and gentle trade winds. It suffered its ferocious storms, true, and its island peoples had not always lived lives of placid serenity. But it had not been a battle-scarred sea of churning and salt-stained grey as the Atlantic was known. Just recently the war between the United States and Japan had seen violence on a gargantuan scale. But what was about to happen now was quite different, and by many orders of magnitude. When President Truman authorised the 1950 budget of $300 million for the AEC to begin work on these quite different weapons, the supers, as they were lightly called, the fusion bombs, the thermonuclear devices, they were little more than blackboard musings of physicists' dreams, but musings well worth bringing to the attention of the Oval Office. It had been several weeks earlier, on October the 6th, 1949, that the Director of Central Intelligence, Admiral Sidney Sowers, told Truman about some physicists' remarkable claims that it might well be possible to employ the nuclear fusion of light gases to create explosions of tremendous force unlike anything known before. Truman's interest was instantly piqued, driven in part by his knowledge that the Russians had exploded their first crude atomic fission bomb, just a few weeks earlier. This had led to bitter and ferocious arguments in the United States, principally between the military and the scientific communities, over the morality of making a new kind of weapon that could and probably would have the power to obliterate not merely thousands, but millions. Many of the leading figures in the Pentagon, well aware that the now nuclear-capable Soviets would soon also be able to construct such bombs, insisted that the United States develop them either to keep up or to keep ahead but many scientists, more aware than most of the terrible powers of the proposed weapons, found the idea of their development utterly abhorrent. Many were gripped with a profound sense of guilt, even shame, for having ever provided the theoretical basis for their construction in the first place. Fission bombs were bad enough. Fusion bombs were unimaginable in their potential for horror. However... And so far as the US government was concerned, this particular debate was officially ended on January the 19th, when Truman summoned Admiral Sowers to the White House to tell him in person of what would come to be seen as one of the truly momentous decisions of his presidency. Developing the new super bomb, Truman told him, finally made a lot of sense. That was what we should do.